True Crime Broads with Crystal and Renee. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello. Welcome to True Crime Broads. This is Crystal. And Renee. And thank you very much for joining us. We have a very special guest tonight. We have Cheryl McCollum with us. She is the director and the founder of the Cold Case Investigative Research Institute. And um, you may know her from her many appearances on Nancy Grace. She's already been on there a couple times this year in 2021. And um, Cheryl, we're just so pleased that you're here with us. Honey, this is a great way to start my year. I can't wait to talk to y'all about this case. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> We've been uh, thinking about this ever since you said yes. We're so excited. So um, we, I did hear you on Nancy Grace on Crime Online talking about this case with Alan Duke. And, um, you know, it's been a few years and uh, we, we're, we're just as baffled as anyone, even though we research this case all the time and we have a podcast on this case and there's right. just really not any answers out there. We're really, we're really anxious to hear sort of your viewpoint on this. Well, I'll tell you my viewpoint. And, you know, I think when this case first happened, and I did cover it with Nancy a couple of times. I kind of felt like, man, they got video, right? They've got right. a small town. And when you have a small town and video um, in an unusual setting, usually you get a suspect pretty quick. So it has fascinated me that we're still here. Um, but it's not uncommon. It's not unheard of. I mean, look at Delphi. Right. You know, it does happen but it usually takes a perfect storm for this kind of thing to happen. And I know your audience is pretty sophisticated and they know, you know, there is no Ouija board. There's no crystal ball. You know, it's just, you look at it and try to discern things because you've done it a hundred times. Um, and so I will tell your audience if they don't know me, um, I am a crime scene investigator. That's what I do for a living. And for me, a crime scene does not start where the body is, if it's a homicide. For me, the crime scene starts outside, down the street, right? Right. So I'm a very visual person, and I like to kind of absorb everything that the crime scene has to offer. Because to me, the killer picked that place, and this person picked it for a reason, um, and so if I can really let myself, you know, just kind of marinate there for a minute and not get in a hurry about anything, then I can kind of oftentimes get some insight into the killer because of this spot. So, you know, if this had been my scene, that would be the first thing that I would do. <laughs> so I've been outside, I will tell y'all. And it's really, really cold, so <laughs> I may cough a little bit, but I'm not sick. There ain't no COVID around here. But, you know, nowadays, if you cough, people freak out. Oh, we I, understand. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm perfectly good. I just, 
ran in the house and I shouldn't have because it's freezing cold. But anyway, um, I just wanted to say that first because I think a lot of times with crime scene, if you're watching TV or movies or you're talking to people, you know, they want to get to that body so quick. Well, the crime didn't start there. Right. That perpetrator came from somewhere. Um, the planning didn't start at that scene. Clearly with this person, you know, they took time well before this crime happened to how they were going to, you know, execute this crime, so to speak. So I just think that's important to say, because, you know, <clears throat> again, the location for me, the time, the day, the day of the week, the date, um, the weapon, how the person's dressed, the fact that it was raining. This took a lot of time. This was not a quick homicide. So a lot of times if it's revenge or if it's a murder for hire, it's quick, y'all. Mm -hmm. Ain't nobody going to go sit there and walk around that place for 30 minutes. Nobody. Right. Very um, true. So with that, that to me is something that you, you have to, you know, put at the top of your list with a question mark. Who would do that? Right? right so again if this were my scene and i've already looked at how the church is situated um that there's you know the gun shop across the street there's the you know two-lane road and whatnot but it's pretty much by itself this is not you know one of those mega churches it's not um you know full of this like a cathedral type church so why this place why this town why on this day? So all of these things for me, it just, you know, my mind runs like a, a tape and questions just keep rolling as I'm working things. So again, even though it's April, you know, Easter's over in 2016. It was in March. So right. you think, is the church the target? Well, who the heck would miss Easter if that was your target? You know? Mm -hmm. And right. then if you Watch the video. This is the way I watch a video. Now, keep in mind, I pull video every day of my life at work for burglaries, robberies, car theft, bank heist. This person <laughs> is chilling. Um, they're walking slow. They, you know, have their arms down by their sides. Um, their gait is unusual, but I'm saying they're not in a hurry. They don't appear to be nervous or agitated or rushed or anxious at all. Even when people burglarize a home that they know to be empty because it's like next door or something, they're still freaked out and they're looking right. around and they make quick movements and they usually go A to B. Like, I know the TV's here. I know the money's here. I know the jewelry's here and I'm out. This person's not doing that. Right. They're checking a few doorknobs. They're busting out a couple of windows they're going in a few rooms if this was a if the target to me had been the church the sanctuary would have been damaged the baptismal some hymnals the stained glass right didn't if this was a burglary um again banks are closed on sunday they would have gone and got the offering or they would have gone and got whatever is expensive in that church and churches have expensive things um, doesn't look like they came there to burglarize anything. They don't have a bag with them. They don't have a backpack. Uh, they don't have a pillowcase. <laughs> it doesn't look right. like 
Yes. They're burglarized. Right. They okay. didn't back their truck up at the exit. No. Yeah. Correct. Okay. I agree. So all of that. Now you've got to start going, okay, this is weird. Okay. So most people, if you're going to commit a crime, you want to do it like it. One in the morning, two in the morning, where you still have several hours of darkness, right? This person didn't do that. This person comes, hangs out for 30 minutes, then supposedly kills somebody that you know this crime is fixing to be discovered quickly. So it's not like you murder somebody in an abandoned house and you leave, they may not be found for weeks. It's not like they killed somebody, um, you know, even at an intersection and, and drove their car somewhere else and left it in the woods. This person is fixing to teach a class in 20 minutes. And if somebody's 10 minutes early, this crime is going to be discovered in 10 minutes. It's really incredible. That's okay. part, that part is so, yeah. If this person is the most stone cold stalker because typically you think, again, somebody that chose to wear what this person wore. SWAT is really unusual. It's not just police, but SWAT gear. So then you start asking yourself, and I'm sure y'all have done this, so jump in. You don't want to just hear me talking, but. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> but why do. did they do it? Was right. the killer planning ahead for an escape? just in case somebody does show up and call the police and I get trapped in here. If they call SWAT, can I walk out undetected? They'll think I'm one of them. Or was the person, you know, thinking, hey, I'm going to bust in there and tell her, hey, an alarm went off and they sent me over here. Right. Was their plan to control her for a little while, torture almost, or get her to do something? Um, was it just to hide their identity? They just said, hey, I bought this for Halloween, but I'm going to wear it because it covers my face and all. Or did they wear it for protection because they thought, hey, this lady might be able to kick my ass, right? right. Because she's in pretty fair state. Right. Uh, and when you wear stuff like that, if she were to fight back, you can take a punch. You know, and maybe so, it was all of those things, you know? Maybe it was all those things because again, this killer thought of it. So and I executed just... it and did it. So you've got to check that box that that was deliberate, that was on purpose. Yeah, it sounds like you're on the same exact wavelength that we've been on is that that killer, that person was there waiting for Missy. This wasn't some sort of a coincidence or right. uh, an interrupted robbery. You, it sounds like you think that that person was staked out there waiting for her. Well, I mean, again, I mean, I've been to thousands of crime scenes. Normally, if it's to vandal something, the damage starts immediately. Yes. Well, this person left a whole lot of stuff, a glass table, stained glass, um, the walls, the, you know, plumbing. They left a lot of things undamaged that could have destroyed that whole place. You bust a couple of pipes that ain't going to be seen till Wednesday, and that whole place is going to have to be rebuilt. They didn't do that. And again, this person does not appear to be angry. They're not storming around. They're not slamming stuff. They're not throwing anything. I mean, there's trash cans that aren't torn up. There's uh, lights in the ceiling that aren't busted. She could have, you know, he or she could have thrown that hammer all around and and busted lights and cameras. 
I mean, it's like they're ignoring the cameras. You yeah, know, and that's why we're so we've been so yeah. confused of why people would say it was untargeted for that very reason. Well, I mean, again, if if she weren't the target, what was? Right, really? it wasn't the church. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't money. Right, right. Um, the the thing that was truly damaged was her. Yes. Because yeah. let's just say the person was in there, and they thought they had till nine o'clock in the morning on Monday. Okay. Right. And their plan was just to really take their time and damage every inch of that place. And Missy shot them. Okay. Why not run? Yep. Why not hit her and knock her out? What happened right. to her at that point was not necessary. Right. right? Okay. One or two hits with a claw hammer would have done it. Right. <laughs> right. But see, that but, all makes perfect sense. Absolutely. <laughs> what well, I mean, again, y'all. Sometimes we can make homicide real sexy, <laughs> but that's rarely the truth. Usually it's just two lives intersect for whatever reason, and this happens. And it's never some, oh my gosh, I bet it's an international, you know, gang that wanted to get rid of her for some reason. It's not that. Right, right. It's not. You know, it would be great, you know, and and, and here's the thing about people's lives and everybody listen to me right now and y'all have got thousands and thousands of fans how many are having affairs right now how many are exchanging messages over facebook or linkedin or twitter or whoever and they're kind of flirting with somebody maybe somebody they went to high school with and hadn't seen a little bit or maybe somebody they work with or used to work with or a neighbor or another parent in their group think about it yeah that don't make a murder if having an affair is gonna get you dead honey we'd be down by you know (laughs) 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 so when you ask yourself does this look like a murder for hire no because professional hitmen don't go to this much trouble it's not necessary and they would have killed her in her driveway um, yep. They wouldn't have wasted 30 minutes and all this carrying on and they wouldn't have used a hammer. You don't make it that personal. This is very personal, y'all. Um, and, or, or had that small timeline. Very small timeline because didn't she post the night before? Hey, y'all. Yes. We're going we're gonna to go to the church and if it's raining, we're going to be inside. Yeah. Yep. So again, that's why the person showed up 30 minutes early because their plan changed too. Facts. See? So that if that makes the most sense, then stay with it. So who has to go 30 minutes early? The person that don't know where the hell she's going to be. The person right. that maybe thinks they know she parks on the west side, so they're going to park on the south side or whatever. The person that doesn't want to be seen. So maybe maybe they do a drive through and cut their lights out, then go back home and bring the other car. You know, you never know. I mean, th- this is not rocket science, but to me, Anybody that's going to show up at three o'clock and hang out till three thirty, kill her and then get ghost because they know people are coming. Mm-hmm. This is they've got a very small window in killing her and leaving. And again, if they didn't think people were fixing to show up, why leave? Why leave after you kill her? Mm-hmm. Do some more damage. You know people are coming. That's why you know it. So. You know, at this point, you know, again, you, you go just to your basics. And then to me, 
these are the basics. Why do people commit homicide? Now, the police have stopped talking to the media actually a really long time ago. And the yeah. media just really doesn't seem to be pushing this case at all. Um, do you think that the police stopped giving updates or asking for tips because they have a suspect in mind? Um, oh, let me ask you a question first. Has there been a new chief of police or sheriff? No. Then, yeah, that's what I think. Okay. The only other thing that would cause that is there's a new administration that says I'm not going to allow it. So here's the thing. There's a lot of things. It's funny you mentioned law enforcement. So a, another thing that I do, and I think y'all probably heard me do this before, but law Hello. enforcement will give you clues. Hello. Did Renee, I lose okay. you? I'm here. Okay. Okay. So law enforcement will give you clues. So one of the main things that I do is I look at what law enforcement is doing and what they're not doing. Mm -hmm. And here's what they're not doing. They're not asking for help. They didn't put together a task force. They're not on TV every five minutes. Right. So that tells me they're working. Okay. And they're working this really close to the vest. Now, I did, okay. forget, I did forget for a minute there's a new assistant chief of police that came on a couple of years ago, but not the nah, chief of police. That ain't it. Okay, okay. Because this, this kind of thing, this is the most high-profile case in that town. There is no other case in that town that Nancy Grace is talking about, that right. True Crime Broads is talking about. Right. right, right. This is it. So every single person is on this case. And here's, and here's how you know it's really, really, really serious. And again, serious from the top down. There's a rookie that's unmarried, that's 20-something, that's going to be at a bar and wants to have the sexy person down the, on the next bar stool pay attention to him, right? Right. Well, this would be a good one to brag about. Yeah. <laughs> that, ain't that ain't happened. Right. There's been no leaks at all. It's, it's actually unbelievable. Person. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Especially I'm telling you it's unbelievable. You would have because, thought that at least one, one detective oh my gosh. would have told her friend at the hair salon and boom, it'd be out. I That's what I'm telling you. There, there are jailers. There are 911 dispatch. There are crime scene people. There are code enforcement people. Every single person has kept their mouth shut. And that's extraordinary. So I'm telling you, they know what they're doing. They're doing a fabulous job so in that regard hats off to you because if you can contain that then your people respect you and it's not just a fear of being fired your people respect you and that's a that's a great sign for this whole case so i will say that okay mm -hmm. awesome that makes us feel so much better oh yeah right? well again if they were given community alerts like okay we're gonna do a curfew and y'all lock your doors and call your mamas and check on them they're not doing that so yeah. they don't think there's some crazed killer out there that they can't find so okay. i'm telling you that's very 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 telling and the other thing that's telling is even across the country there has not been a similar transaction nobody yeah. in swat gear has killed no woman in a church in atlanta nobody in swat gear has killed a woman in seattle okay and they hadn't done it within 50 miles of y'all's church so that's a big deal yeah. That means this is contained. And again, Missy Beavers, period. She's the target. 
Okay. So when you look at this case as a criminologist, I say, oh my gosh. Okay. So you've got some things that look organized. So it was clearly planned. Um, They had the outfit, they had a weapon and the weapon is key because the weapon this person selected out of all the weapons in the world to murder somebody with, they selected the claw hammer. A, horrible, right? (laughs) Everybody's just going to cringe with that one. It's also very personal. I got to get right up on you to use it. And they used it over and over and over and over. Her head, her chest, most likely her face. And the face could have been on purpose or accident. But when you're fighting like that and you've got somebody trying to block and trying to move, uh, blood is slippery. People fall different. If this person has never killed anybody before by busting them in the head, They don't know what to expect with the amount of blood that's going to be coming at them. Um, So all of those things are factored in as well. So probably there's going to be injury to her face, whether that was part of their original plan or not. I can almost guarantee it. You know, we thought it was a bludgeoning death with the claw hammer more than likely all this time. We've heard some information that there might've been shots fired as well. And that kind of makes me understand the timeline better because I always struggle Mm -hmm. with that. How did someone bludgeon someone to death and then get out of there in just a few minutes? So maybe there were shots fired. We, what do you think? It, it, it could be, but here's the bottom line. How many times do you have to hit somebody in the head with a claw hammer to kill them? Oh, that's true. Not many. Not many. Yeah. It, it does not take as long as you think. Some people don't even realize they've killed somebody. They say, well, I was fighting him and I just hit him a couple of times. Well, a couple mm-hmm. might do it. Yeah. You know, I got you. Four, got you. five, six. So, I mean. It can happen. You And again, for the people listening in the audience, think of the worst head injury you've ever had, whether it's you sat up real quick and hit a cabinet corner or somebody hits you with a baseball bat accidentally or a, or a baseball during a game, whatever was the worst, you fell and hit your head on something, that wasn't a call hammer yeah. repeatedly. And someone so, intentionally wanting you to die, right? Correct. You probably had a severe injury that didn't even knock you out. So that's what I'm saying. And then there are things that, like I said, that are organized. And then there are things that are disorganized. That killer is disorganized. So they left the body there, right? Right. It it, it would appear that they were sondering and relaxed and calm. And clearly at some point there was a burst of violence. So whenever I see organized and disorganized, that usually means there's been some staging involved. Well, clearly that's what they were doing, busting out the windows and opening doors and carrying on. They're staging that scene to make it look like there must have been 15 people in here, y'all. So that if the police had arrived at that murder and all these windows are busted out and the doors are all open, my God, how many people were in here that murdered this poor woman? Right. Right? They weren't counting on that video. I'm just telling you, they weren't counting on it. Yeah, I agree because the the concept of staging something on camera that just doesn't make sense, you know. So right, stupid. They look yeah. stupid. <laughs> they look like somebody that nobody's going to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. They don't look like they're in great shape. They walk unusual. I don't know if they're a, a dancer or injured or the costume wasn't fitting right. I don't know why they're walking that way, but it's really unusual. And the fact that you can't even tell if it's a man or a woman. I mean, it's just the whole thing is bizarre it really is but it makes perfect sense to that killer and that's again what we've got to focus on what do you think about the fact that they um 
are so calm before she gets there. And then of course, to be able to kill someone like that, there obviously has to be a lot of emotion in it, but before the murder, they're just as calm as they can be. That's kind of weird. Well, again, 30 minutes is a long time and we can't tell what's really going on in that outfit. It That's could true. be they're talking to themselves. You know how like before a, a yeah. basketball game or something, it's the biggest game of the season. You might have somebody walking, you know, just up and down the court, kind of talking to themselves, shaking their hands out. You know, maybe that's what she's doing with, or he is doing with the hammer, you know, busting things here and there, looking around, making sure I'm ready, kind of psyching themselves up. It may not look like they're psyching themselves up, but on the inside they are. You know, right. pictures are great at that. You don't, you can't tell what's going on inside. They seem just calm and cool, but they're not. Right. So yeah. again, if you go back to the basics, what are the basics? There's, there's really only four reasons anybody's ever murdered. There's just four of them, right? So you've got sex. So that would be a rapist or, you know, whatnot, you know, prostitute, whatever. Well, that doesn't appear that that was the situation, correct? Right, right. All right. Then there's money. Well, it don't look like anything was taken. Um, I don't know of any big insurance policy. I don't know that, you know, anybody really gained anything monetarily by her dying. Mm -hmm. uh, so it doesn't appear that money was it. It, it wasn't it at the scene. That I can tell you. Right. Um, I mean, her jewelry wasn't taken. The offering wasn't taken. It, her car wasn't stolen. I mean, nothing of value was taken. So it wasn't money. Well, then the last two. So the last two are what we concentrate on. And that would be revenge, real or what somebody believes. And then the last one is just somebody that's crazy. They're just crazy. And she was never the target. They never had any kind of connection at all. So if you go back to revenge, that's where it comes into play. Who was this man? And did this man have a wife that was crazy? And could the wife have gone on social media and seen all these pictures of this woman that is beautiful and in shape. And let's say she's neither of those things in her mind. And she thinks she's fixing to lose her husband to this woman. And she stopped it. Could be. Yeah. It, it easily could be. So yeah, she's seen her whole world going away. And yeah. you know how, you know, remember uh, the Watts case? Oh, yes. Yeah, man that, <laughs> okay, killed his wife and children. And then remember the girl that he had the affair with? She said, I had no idea he was married. Well, I find that hard to believe. Yeah, because, we all do. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't believe there is a woman alive that is not going to go on social media and check out everything about that man. Well, there it is, big as Dallas, that he's married <laughs> with those babies. Exactly. So, I don't believe her. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know her. I don't believe her. And I would explain to her why I don't believe her. If she wants to call me, but I don't believe her. <laughs> and, and here's the thing. If you are going to date somebody from work, here's the other reality. <laughs> How many people have to be in an office that you don't already know somebody's married? Exactly. Okay. Right. So that's two reasons. And I think you're pretty bogus. So again, this person, uh, Missy was very, solid footprint on social media 
you could find her. She told you about her life. She showed you her life. Mm-hmm. She was very connected to her clients. She was going to make it real easy for somebody that wanted to find her and do harm to her. Now, I do know that there's the message on LinkedIn that she and her friend thought was creepy and supposedly came from a man. Well, I'm going to say again, on LinkedIn, she's flirting with a man and it, they said it was very familiar. So I'm sure it was sexting or whatnot, right? right. LinkedIn is where she got the creepy message. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not the greatest investigator in the world, but again, <laughs> if a wife is on her husband's LinkedIn page, then she may see fit to send a message that is creepy and sinister and scary. Yeah, from a fake account, right. From a fake account. Because again, y'all, that, that's not a leap. It's not like she got the creepy message off Facebook or Twitter. It was the exact same social media. So- and I don't understand how they were never able to trace where that LinkedIn... It, they never were able to find the where that came from. Who sent that? Do you think maybe they set up an account on a burner phone or something? What would prevent law enforcement? I mean, the FBI was involved. What would mm-hmm. keep law enforcement from not being able to trace that back to someone? Uh, that is so out of my wheelhouse. However, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I know somebody y'all can talk to that can give you all that information. I, I don't, I'm not the one. I, I don't even feel confident even trying to explain the very little bit that I do know but I know if the FBI cannot find it then it's either you know if you have a fake phone that is not assigned to you and you make a dummy account off that fake phone then they're not gonna be able to trace it back to a person so for example um like let's say the Atlanta Police Department they have 3,000 employees and they all have a phone if one of those phones is stolen, then somebody can use it for a minute. Well, again, it doesn't trace back to a single person. You know what I mean? So there's, if you just look at it in layers, the more layered you are, it's not going to come back to you anyway. So even if it says, well, it looks like the phone was owned by the Atlanta police department. Well, how many phones were stolen or mislaid or whatever? So I don't know how they might've done that, but again, law enforcement knows yeah. If you factor that in with the outfit and laying in wait and knowing exactly where she would be, even though you only had hours to know that, right? Right. Then that's going to narrow your suspect pool. So who could leave their house at 3 a.m. and not be missed? Who could be gone until almost five and not be missed? Mm-hmm. Who would have that type of walk who would have that type of outfit again whether it's halloween or something they bought off amazon or whatever um you know whose phone pinged at that time in that general area for 30 freaking minutes right guarantee you there was a cell phone somewhere so it's just something that again it's painstaking and you know every stone unturned as they say and that person that killed Missy must have been very determined. It was pouring down rain. Pouring. I mean, it it yep. wasn't raining a little bit. It was pouring. And they drove right. there out. You know, that's, it's not close to anything. So they had to drive at least some distance. So, right. And then they had to actually break into the church. They really, really wanted to do what they did. 
any, any of those factors might've discouraged me from having to do something, you know, like pouring down rain, it being the middle of the night, having to put <laughs> all that gear, I would just been like, maybe not, maybe a different night, you know, Oh yeah. But, okay, I wouldn't kill anyone, but you know what I mean? If I had to go do something, I might say, you know what, it's pouring rain. I don't feel like going to the grocery store, you know, but yep. this person did was not deterred by the pounding rain. It's Correct. interesting. They yep. really wanted to do it that night. And my question too, is why the urgency of that night? What was why was it that morning? I guess I should say why, you know, maybe something happened. Maybe that was the last straw. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they found out for sure the affair happened or right. there was another text message sent. Mm -hmm. People sometimes they're desperate and they do desperate things. And sometimes homicide is a desperate thing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a child is going to tell that, you know, the perpetrator touched them. So they murder the child, right. you know, you're going to leave me and I don't have a job and I have no money and I murder you. Mm. You know, it happens. It happens. And this person again, didn't on camera appear to be freaked out and nervous and angry and whatever, but the sight of her did it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess under all that gear, they could be just sweating bullets, just things we can't see on that surveillance camera. They could be sweating or they could be gritting their teeth and right. mumbling to themselves or whatever. Right. right. Or, or, you know, they could have been a little nervous, but then again, the sight of her enraged them. Right. They were ready yeah. to perform. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I was going to ask you if you thought this was a cold case. I can see none of us thinks that now. Um, but my second part to that question is what, if you had to guess, what do you think the odds are that this case will get solved? Um, a hundred percent. I think the killer's paying attention. Um, I'll say that. So I think that it's imperative that people in that town pay attention to who they work with, live next door to, mm -hmm. uh, are married to whatever, because this person whoever they are probably cannot get enough of this case. They're listening to every podcast. They're reading every article. They are searching for things on the news about it. They're searching the computer about it. And here's a, here's a hint. When they talk about it, they probably talk about Missy in a negative light. Mm. Well, if she wasn't having affairs, she wouldn't have been killed. Mm -hmm. So they're going to take, the opposite viewpoint that you think they're going to take so pay attention and you know just because somebody you know walks you know like a dancer or their feet out pay attention to everything because I think the person's there mm -hmm. this is not somebody that lives in you know 300 miles away or anything wasn't someone passing through right right and chances are this person will never kill again because Missy Beavers was the target and she's no longer a target. Well, that's good. Um, what would you suggest to the police department uh, working a case such as Missy's case? Uh, what is something that they can do to, I guess, get maybe more information that they're missing or, you know, just kind of move along in the case because it seems to have been stalled. They haven't even, police haven't even talked about it since 2019. Right. Well, you know, I'm one of those folks. I, I believe that the media is one of the best tools we have, mm -hmm. especially media that understands investigations. If you have 
reporters or podcasters or journalists that they get the job and they're not going to do anything to, you know, harm the integrity of that investigation. If you have somebody like that you can work with, I think it's one of the best things you can do because again, this person, every time it's mentioned in the news, they take a twisted satisfaction from it because they did it, but they also can't tell anybody. Yeah. So if you think of it that way, it's like, you know, the coolest, most heroic spies we have in this country, you don't even know who they are. And they're out saving your ass every day. But they can't <laughs> yeah. show up and, and get a medal and they can't show up and, you know, have a parade and have people go, oh my God, you're just unbelievable. You're like you're a real 007. You do not know who they are. They live next door to you and they tell you that they're an investment banker and they travel a lot and you believe them. Um, so it takes a very disciplined person, a very special person, a person that truly wants to serve their country to be able to do that. This killer ain't that person. Mm -hmm. They secretly in little spurts tell people. I promise you, they you. want the acknowledgement. They do because they um, still hate her. Right. That is so interesting. Well, you know, you brought up the Delphi case earlier and we have mm -hmm. one of our favorite listeners um, wanted me to be sure and ask you this. Um, he said he's worried that the Delphi case is cold. Do you think that that's a cold case? It is frozen. But here's the thing. Um, next weekend, I'm headed to Delphi and I'm taking some pretty significant people with me. Yay. And, um, they are smart. Let me tell you, I ain't even qualified to be in the van with these people, but I'm <laughs> driving, so I'm going. So <laughs> I don't believe that, but okay. Um, that's awesome. But, oh, let me, let me tell you, these folks, honestly, um, you know, the kind of people that you just sit in a room and you're like, dang it, you know, yeah. you studied, studied more than I did apparently, but they, <laughs> um, they are, they're, they're very, very bright. Um, they're giving, they're kind, uh, and they're ready to go up there and do whatever they can. So a bunch of us are going to go and we're going to meet with Christina Menina. Do you know Detective Menina? I do not, do you, Renee? I, have, I do not. Okay, I'm going to connect y'all because you've got to have her on your show. Awesome, uh, thank you. She's a homicide detective out of Indianapolis and her claim to fame is she had the highest solve rate in the United States. Wow. Yeah, she ain't no joke. So That's um, amazing. her people and my people, we're going to uh, connect and we're going to do some super cool things and we're going to meet with Kelsey out there, her sister. Awesome. And, um, you know, just remind people, you know, exactly what happened. And then when we all get back, I'm literally going to hand my investigator's notebook to Nancy Grace and let Nancy Grace do her thing. And, you know, we're going to try again, like I, I said a minute ago, the media is a tool. It's one of the best tools in the world. And I have sometimes some rookie detectives say, ah, I'm never going to talk to the media. Um, you're missing a great opportunity because the media can do things you cannot do. Right. And the reality is you've got somebody like Oprah. She's got millions and millions and millions of fans. Your police department probably has 50 likes if that, 50,000 maybe if you're lucky, right? So literally Oprah can get information out better than NYPD, fact. Right, right. True story. 
so when you look at Oprah, there was a there was a period of time where she was going after child predators. Y'all remember that? Yeah. Yep. She caught a child predator in 12 minutes. Golly. Uh, 12 minutes, dude. That's so she awesome. put it on her show and a woman is watching Oprah and she goes, wait a minute. That, that man lives next door to me. Oh, my, oh my gosh. Boom. But that's what it takes. Yeah. Because yeah. nobody, it, again, every single person listening to me right now, if they were to be honest, how many have gone on the Facebook page of their local police department? Probably not many. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's so true. the police department ain't getting it done. They're not going to you to even check traffic, right? So yep. most people go, oh my gosh, something bad happened. I saw a bunch of police cars over in this neighborhood. Then they'll go on the police Facebook page to see if right. there's any, yeah. you know, right. dirt exactly. on somebody. But they don't check it. They don't, you know, connect with police. They don't communicate like they should. And I'm telling you, as somebody in a police department, that helps run the police department social media message us talk to us tell us um if you need somebody to drive by your house more often if you have a child that wants to be a police officer and wants to come sit in the car if you want to come by and have coffee just let people know that's cool but yeah. but delphi um there are still if you if you have a dinner party tomorrow and you invite 50 people 20 to 30 have never heard of it and that's the problem everybody knows natalie holloway everybody should know these girls but you say abby and libby they don't know who you're talking about so we've okay. got to do better about that yeah and, 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 and i would got a freaking video y'all we've got him on yeah you know you can hear his voice we know what he looks like we know how he's dressed and he's right there he's right there and, you know, the same with Missy Beavers, I think, to Delphi and Missy Beavers, you would think that the media would be lunging at this. So they're fascinating tales and and just so consuming. I'm, I'm just surprised that this isn't on all the time. Um, baffling. You know, it, it is it is baffling. Um, I think anytime you have a case that you get so invested, you always think, how is this not? You know, yeah, that's true. The, you know, I mean, I have a case right now where the, the woman was dismissed dismembered and beheaded and there's no traction just about. and it's like this is an awesome case um it should be a movie but you know i got some people that won't even call me back yet so it's all good you know but I, I, again i, I want to say something else about missy beavers because I, I mean she's got children and those children are going to have phones and they're going to have internet and they're going to read all these things and i think it's really important for those children to understand Things can be said about their mama that isn't true. Mm -hmm. And even if her, you know, her lifestyle was, you know, she maybe had an affair, you know, your mama was a human being, mm -hmm. but that had nothing to do with how she felt about those children that I know. Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, cause you can't Google it without that being so yeah. you know, prevalent. And I'm just telling you when people die, it's rarely convenient to the other stuff going on in your life. So a lot of times you may be murdered, you know, again, when you're having an affair or, uh, you know, you have an accidental death. It's a weird accident, but you just lost a job. So now people think it was suicide. I mean, it's never convenient. Right. But again, right. if you just break it down, you know, homicide is normally very elementary. I mean, 98 to 99% of the time, the victim know their assailant somehow. Um, 
So it's a pretty good guess. This person had some connection to her. Yes, I agree. Well, just a crazy case. Thank you, Cheryl. I loved having you on. Renee, did you have any uh, more questions for Cheryl? I think she pretty much, I was going to ask something about um, the, uh, the gate about why do you think, I mean, I, I understand that the, the person um, in the church, you know, walks a little different, obviously, mm -hmm. but that seems to be like the major focus. Is that something that you would focus on or would, what, what would you focus on besides the gate? That was a good question. Um, the, the gate is one thing. And I think the only reason law enforcement is going to focus on it is the only identifier they have. Okay. They don't know white, black, Hispanic, Pan-Asian. They don't know male or female, baby. Come on. Yeah. But that gate, they know. Right. Um, so I think that's why there's the primary focus. But again, for me, that outfit, um, I, I don't know the population of the town, but I know it's a small town. So it's like 30,000 maybe. Okay. 30,000 people, y'all. Ain't that many. When you get down to brass tacks, like this is something I said about Delphi. I'll answer it this way. You take an academy class at Indianapolis. They may have 500 cadets, right? Mm -hmm. If you take two academy classes, that's a thousand people. Take a thousand people to Delphi and go door to door at the exact same time. Give them all a street. Give them all an address to start with. And they start knocking on doors. And they check who's home, who's not. Is there a man that looks like this there or not? If not, move to the next door. And tell people we're coming. If you're not home, we're coming back. Right. And then how many people look like this composite? How many people look like that video? How many people, if I knock on the door, might say to me, hey, look, I'm a single mom. I'm, I'm here with my four kids. But there's a guy that works at a farm down the road. First time I saw the video, I thought it was him. Thank mm -hmm. you, ma'am. That's good. But the fourth person that tells me that, the ninth person that will tell me that, maybe they're not coming to the police station. Maybe they don't feel confident calling the police station. But if I knock on their door, they just might tell me. Yeah. That's true. That's a good point. That's you can cover 30,000 people in a weekend, sugar. Yeah. <laughs> We, we want to do that. We want to be part of something like that. We just don't know how to get that going, you know? I've told Delphi to do it. Literally, one person can interview 30 people in a weekend conservatively. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I conservatively. So. Get it done. You yeah. know how many ex-cops would show up for that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give me a clipboard, baby. Let's go. <laughs> you know yeah. how people would go to Delphi and help? Oh yeah, that's that's oh, a very, that's a very emotional case. We have two little girls. And yeah, it was done. And if you again, if you watch, dude, the very small clip and see, just like Missy, I agree. Don't give us everything. I agree with that completely. They've given us enough, but mm -hmm. the way he says down the hill, down the hill, right? Mm -hmm. He's not mad. He's not crazed. He's not out of control. He's just calm down the hill because he knows what's coming. Mm. And it's just like this killer. They know what's coming. They don't peak too early. It's pretty sick.
we really well, hope this, these killers get caught. Absolutely. When I get back from Delphi, I'll give y'all a briefing and we can hey. chit chat and see if there's other things we can do. But if y'all ever need anything in Atlanta, give me a call. If anybody listening wants to, you know, please go to our pages and like it and, you know, see well, what we're all about. We got some wine you can get for your own <laughs> wine and crime. Awesome. Well, we just can't thank you enough for being on. And next time we talk, we want to hear more about your institute. That's fascinating. I wanted to do you have a second to sort of run that down for us? Sure. Real quick. Absolutely. So I was teaching college classes at night and my investigation class was from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m., which is a long time to keep somebody's attention that's already worked all day. Right. So I was with the sheriff's department at the time in the cold case squad. And I asked D. Stewart, the sheriff, if I could take a cold case to class because all their classes um, would be, you know, relevant in working a cold case. You know, your theories, you know, your investigations, your constitutional law, everything. He said, yeah, just redact everything and take it. So, honey, that first night I walked in, I dropped that murder box right in the middle of the room. And I said, this is now your case. It's a double homicide of a shotgun house, one male, one female, go to work. That first night, I had to throw them out of class at 1130 because at that time I had two little ones at home, an infant and a two year old. And uh, so it kept going like that. So I had a class of 35 people the very next week. There was like 50 people in class. I'm like, who are these people? (laughs) And uh, then the next class, there was even more. So like word had gotten out. They were bringing friends and I'm like, y'all better go to math and English. Cause I'm not getting cussed out by y'all's professors, you know, <laughs> um, but they just, they couldn't get enough of it. So then I had a real good friend at the university of Auburn Montgomery and one at Faulkner university and Lou Harris at Faulkner was a behavior science with uh, the FBI in their division, BAU. And then uh, Linda Wright at Auburn was a personal security expert. And that's what she was involved in at Auburn. And I called him and I said, look, y'all, I think I'm on to something. And I think if the two of y'all with your two schools and students, if the three of us take on the same case, I literally said to them, we may screw up and solve something. So (laughs) they said, yes, get us the murder box. So I did. And then the very next semester, we were involved um, in having some good success with the double homicide from Spalding County. Um, And then we moved to Mary Shotwell Little and Natalie Holloway. And then we had good luck with Natalie Holloway, sadly, but it was still good luck for us that we were the group that predicted that Johan Vandersloot would reoffend in five years. And sadly, he killed Stephanie Flores right. 10 years, you know, five years to the day. And then we were involved with solving Boston Strangler and Chandra Levy and all these other cases that we had great success with. And then we started taking cases that nobody had ever heard of. Um, and we, you know, we, we did some things that, um, each semester, each year, the students had a different area of discipline. So like we worked Tupac Shakur and then we would work, um, you know, Natalie Holloway. So it'd be, you know, polar opposite type cases. So you may have something gang related, then you may have underwater crime scene. Then we did Chandra Levy, which was you know, forensic anthropology. Then we did Morris Ford Bridge. And everybody said, well, you're crazy doing Morris Ford Bridge because 
That occurred in 1946. What are you possibly going to do? Most of the killers and witnesses are probably dead. Well, we're up in the mezzanine one night talking, and it's literally like 1.30 in the morning, practically. And the students just cannot stop working because this face, this face is wicked. This case is awesome. And I said, well, you know, it ain't like bullets disintegrate. And then I'm like, oh, my God, bullets don't disintegrate. So let's go out to the Morrisport Bridge and get them. So we get an archaeologist and an anthropologist and some folks with DNR and the prosecutor's office and the FBI and everybody else. And we go out there and in 45 minutes, we have our first bullet. And in three hours, we have almost 72 bullets, fragments, or casings. And then over three days, we have over 100. So you can still find evidence even from 1946. So I remember hearing you you talk about that. And I thought that was so interesting. Yeah, it's a great case. Unbelievable. great. You know, we've just, you know, been very fortunate. But, you know, the students work hard and the experts work hard. And nobody's paid. Everybody does it because they want to do it. And it's the right thing. None right. of us make any money for doing it. And, um, you know, then we had CSI Atlanta come along and then we, you know, turned the Cold Case Institute into a 501c3. And now we have over, you know, 35 colleges and over 600 experts. And it's all good. That's awesome. That is awesome. All good. So that's the quick story. You <laughs> know, so much for going over that. Of course. You know, you know we, um, we have, um, we, we um, decided to raise the money to get a billboard and, um, and that um, was supposed to end at the end of December. We had a listener that called in and paid for another four months, which we were so excited about. Wow. Um, what do you think about the uh, billboard and the killer? What do you, I mean, do you think that's something that. Um, Brilliant. Brilliant. Absolutely. Abs- there's no question in my mind. Um, you know, Jennifer Canary has done it. I don't know if y'all know her um, with her twin sister. Um, a billboard to me is a fixed reminder. And everybody that's going to come up down that road and just cut town wide open is going to remember. And it'll force them to talk about it. Like you said, when they get to their hairdresser or they get to the liquor store or they get to their kid's school and just go, man, did you see the billboard went up? It's, it's a great word of mouth way to keep this case alive i love okay. it i love everything good. about it right. okay good. and good. people can stop and take pictures and put it on their social media and the local media should show up and do a story about it and people <laughs> traveling through there should stop and take a picture and go man i i saw this billboard and look at this case i think i might go by that church it's kind of creeping me out that's what people do do right. it you know right. talk about her man right just out of curiosity, what does it cost per month to have the billboard? Um, it ended up being, we ended up getting it for 2000 for three months. Okay. And this next run, we got it for four months, four, four months for 2000 So I guess they gave us a month free. Okay. Well, we ought, so. we ought to do a wine and crime and get you another couple thousand dollars and just keep it up. Oh, right. Great. I think that's good because we did, we did find out that um, the um, tips that were coming in, uh, the first month it was up was in October, right, Crystal? And the tips skyrocketed. I mean, I, obviously nothing has happened with it, but that, you know, it's just. I, but you, you know, don't know that. You yeah, know that's that. true. Oh, that's true. It, anything right. that helps them narrow this down. Right. And I'm just that's telling true. you, one thing you can even do, if, if, if we can do a, an event, we can raise some more money for you. Even if you change the billboard, 
like people are used to seeing it, you know, one way with one description. Let's say you change it. Yeah, good point. You know, if you change it, even the color or um, you put a, a statement. I wanted yeah. to put the killer on there and we we weren't able to get the graphics good enough to get it on there, but I think that mm -hmm. would be substantial. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. Thank you for telling us that. Sure. Listen, there is no negative when people are trying to help. There's just not, unless they're deliberately helping in a way that you know hurts the investigation they can't just go kick in doors and you know start interrogating people but you yeah. know what I mean <laughs> I'm just saying like billboards and the way you're doing you know your podcast and the, the way the news has covered her story I think it's been really important we just have our fingers and toes crossed and praying every day that something will break in this case so thank you so yeah. much Carol this was huge having you on it was such an honor Thank you. And we're going to yes. well, follow your career. And honey, the honor is mine. And I appreciate, again, y'all reaching out and letting me, you know, talk about it a little bit because I do. I think this is a solvable case, but it's going to take the right person coming forward. Yep. That's yeah. true. I bet that's what it's going to take. Absolutely true. Almost yep. five years. So, yeah. Yep. But it'll happen. It'll happen because somebody that was scared at 17 ain't going to be scared at 22. So, that's true. Awesome. They'll, they'll come forward. All right. Well, thank you, Cheryl. Have a fantastic Thank you so weekend. much. Thank you so All much right. for your Have time. A good week. Talk to you Have soon. Time. You too. Bye-bye. Yeah.